And boom, we're back for another episode of <laughs> AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the Illumin Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you shiny and correct there over there on the South Fork of the Smith River. There he is. Uh, got out of makeup, looking great today. Uh, you are a fine gentleman and a provocateur on some points, but we'll... Uh, we'll... I forgot my shorts today, so just remind me not to stand up. Got it, got it. Well... <laughs> Yeah, you've been doing the uh, the weights down there too, right? Getting the, the lengthening. Um, okay, so, um, but yeah, Kung hey Fu. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought you were talking about foreskin restoration for a second, but. <laughs> well. uh, hey guys, we're back. Okay, we're, come we're on, coming, let's go. We're coming to you live and direct as always from the beautiful Smith River in the great state of Jefferson where freedom still reigns supreme. Uh, it's supposed to be spring, but it feels more like winter. I'll take it because we basically had spring in January and February. Uh, and I'll, I was, I'll share a picture today on our Telegram group from the mountains just north of us where it's literally a winter wonderland right now. Pretty incredible with the grand solar minimum, of course, really kicking into high gear. And then, of course, all of the, the weather um, modification going on around us. Uh, we will be, uh, Bear and I will be documenting this summer uh, our um, Chembuster, Cloudbuster, Megabuster, uh, uh, Orgone accumulator machines we'll be creating. So keep an eye out for that, which will be coming out on our private portal, which we're working hard on. I know we've been talking about it forever. It is more of a process than I thought, even as a web developer, but we will be um, launching the Alpha Vedic private portal, which will be our new co-op and PMA membership, uh, which is very exciting as we get off Patreon and we start putting out a lot of our own content on there. So keep an eye out for that. If you wanna get updates on that, just join our mailing list at alphavedic.com and we'll be announcing all of that. That is in fact the best way to stay in tap with what we're doing is please just join our mailing list. Of course, you can also join our Telegram group at t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. That is a fantastic community. I believe our guests today are in that. And we have an amazing conversations going on there every day. And if you are into Discord, we're on Discord for now as well at alphabetic.com forward slash Discord. Okay, I think that's or enough. just call uh, Michael direct. We'll put his uh, private phone number in the show notes today. Yeah, and if you're in need of a plumber or, you know, any <laughs> other type of blue collar work, give me a ring. Um, AlphaCast returns today. Uh, we're going back to our roots, the health, our health and wellness roots on this episode with an extraordinary body-mind practitioner, Sophie Fletcher, PhD, and Eurosimos Stylianesis. Did I say it right? Stylian yeah, you did, you did. I don't even use my last name anymore, but it, it works. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, I love the Greek. Irish word. name, right? Definitely. I'm personally grateful that I didn't end up changing my last name when we got married because he's not even using it anymore. I don't use it really anymore. I would be stuck with Stylianesis. You would just be Sophie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> Sophia yeah. um, comes from uh, the, uh, the Greek word wisdom. Yeah. Uh, I learned that from Eurosimos. On this AlphaCast episode, we take a welcome break from the world of conspiracy rabbit holes. I, I, we definitely had a couple shows uh, back to back where we were going deep down the rabbit holes, which I love, Barrett, I love to do. We probably will today, to be honest. How can you not? Uh, and uh, just a note on that, our guest last week, um, 
uh, Andreas Exertis. Wow, that guy was amazing. And no, yeah, he is him. not a deep state operative because he had an internship or worked at NASA for a little bit. Guys, let's up our game, our discernment game. Let's take in the information. Remember the trivium. Remember how we take in information and we look at it logically and then we see what the rhetoric is and we, and we, we look at it that way. We don't just judge from someone's resume. Let's get beyond that. The conspiratard cynicism needs to end. I'm going to leave it at that, Bear, because we got a lot of people immediately were like gonna, triggered by I'm NASA. Drinking my, I'm drinking my venom water right now, by the yeah. way. I hear yeah. you, man. People, people just jump on anything, and it's like there's doom and gloom, and I, I'm just all about focusing on what we're creating and what we're producing in health. Thank yeah. You. And, and the thing is about Andreas is that he's doing that. He's like, he's very active in the Fediverse uh, decentralized technology movement, which I appreciate. He's like a Renaissance man doing things. Right. So um, I just wanted to say that because it became kind of a point of contention uh, last week. And there's still people coming on saying he's a Masonic shill and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, Owen Benjamin wants to get him, wants to interview him. He was blown away by it. So um, yeah, anyways, enough with that. Um, but we did begin this podcast on the health and wellness tip, of course. I mean, we were one of the first besides like Amanda Vollmer and a couple others totally dispelling the germ theory myth. And I know you guys are hip to that. And um, we're going to go back to that and not necessarily that topic, but getting deep back into our bodies and health and wellness today. Um, and basically, uh, so we have Sophie Fletcher and your awesome Ostilianesis today to share uh, their journey as talented practitioners in the healing arts and its relevance to the complexities in today's world. Sophie spent most of her life wanting to transcend the body and employed various spiritual principles to help in this endeavor. Upon completion of her first master's degree in spiritual psychology, she realized that the body actually held the key to true healing. She then pursued training in various bodywork and energetic modalities, mainly based in Chinese meridian theory, for a number of years before she went on to do a second master's and get her PhD in depth psychology with an emphasis in somatic studies, which we'll cover today. Uh, Sophie is dedicated to helping people decondition themselves to live more fully in alignment with their own truths. She utilizes human design, bodywork, breathwork, energetic clearing techniques, and somatic experiencing with her clients. Sophie focuses on tapping into the unconscious by attending to what comes forward through the innate wisdom of the client's body to help guide them into greater freedom through their multi-level being. Eurosimos has been on a truth-seeking journey for over 20 years, guiding fellow truth-seekers committed to growth in the self-realization -real process. His education and knowledge extends through a number of diverse areas, including psychology, somatic therapies, human design, performing arts, nutrition, and more. Eurosimos is a staunch advocate for individuals stepping into their true purpose and potential through self-knowledge and conscious action. He is the co-host of the Here for the Truth podcast, which I was interviewed on. Check it out, guys amazing. He and Joel are doing a wonderful job with that, by the way. And he's the co-creator of the Rise Above the Herd group coaching program designed to empower truth seekers to reclaim their power and live life on their terms. Are you ready to reclaim the robust health that is yours by natural design and your birthright to self-determination? We are going to go deep into all of this stuff today, Bear Lando. And I know you have background in this as well, especially in the somatic stuff. So really excited to learn from you all today. I'm excited to learn too. Yes. Uh, excited to have you guys. Uh, first, before we get started, you know, we are back live streaming on YouTube. I guess we groveled sufficiently. 
after a two-week timeout. And I'd just like to extend a very warm, double-barreled middle finger salute to the hierarchy of YouTube who thinks it's a good idea to regress us back to the Stone Age. So um, great to have you guys here today. Just awesome. And uh, I think we know some common peeps. So let's start with my oldest son. So you guys are uh, kind of hooked up a little bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. We connected um, at this like health freedom event in, in Venice. Ah. And we realized that we kind of knew each other because Mike was trying to connect us. And uh, yeah, we got a chance to hang out a few times. So it's awesome. So you're a terrorist. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh my okay goodness. well hey that's cool and then sophie you uh had a little time at um actually a phd at university of santa monica i know a bunch of those peeps too yeah well my phd is actually from pacifica oh sorry Institute. um but the the Forgive spiritual me. psychology yeah mm -hmm. yeah so uh, i know a bunch of those folks over the years and uh cool. and you know they're affiliated with msia and that whole crew yeah. down there so you you're hooked in That's with actually, some of them. So what I refer to growing, or maybe I took it out of that bio. I grew up in, in MSAA. Um, oh, wow. So that was part of my, so, my upbringing. So back in the early 2000s, when we, you know, were freshly moved to the mainland from Maui and, you know, we just were getting our kids through school over here in Santa Barbara. I started up just a little kind of small practice. And then John Rogers, who has yeah. made the passage, um, I guess he announced to one of the uh, um, get-togethers in, in Santa Monica down there that people should come see me. And I never met the guy, never met him ever. And then all of a sudden I was inundated with all sorts of those folks that were all saying, yeah, John said, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting, you know. Uh, he didn't even but anyway, you. he just like heard about you. Yeah, never, no, nah, never met me. I think he just, you know, he just kind of had a way at, how to, how to feel that you were genuine, that you were a good dude? Uh, don't ask me. But <laughs> speaking of good dudes, uh, my son's uh, categorizes you guys in the most excellent, uh, you know, so uh, so good to good to meet you. And thank cool. you for making time with us. OK, down to business. Um, somatics. I started uh, long ago uh, in my early career training with the Novato and a somatic institute. Now, I understand that since then, you know, different terminologies uh, have been uh, a lot of derivatives and practices and things have morphed out of a lot of those early schools that I went to. So I don't know if somatics means the same thing for you as me. And so I'd like to get into that a little bit. And, you know, what I really liked uh, about uh, your bio, Sophie, and uh, both of you, just amazing backgrounds, uh, both of you guys, um, you were talking about, you know, people taking a more active role. And, you know, I, I entered medicine uh, through the back door. I was a jock and uh, always, you know, wanted to kind of get the edge and and just be a little bit more scientific about my training because I was competing and all sorts of stuff. And I thought medical school, hey, what a great idea. I'll know everything then. And, um, but anyway, um, it became apparent to me once I got through a lot of cross training that people were coming to see the expert and, uh, you know, wanting to be very passive about it. That didn't work for me because, of course, I'm, I'm kind of jock mentality and I'm like, well, I'm, I should be your coach. You know, you still got to do the work. 
And I just didn't like being put in that role and people thinking that I was going to fix them. And it doesn't work like that anyways. I know you guys know. So maybe we could start out with uh, you guys share your journey, uh, whichever one of you wants to go first. Uh, if we can maybe talk a little bit about somatics, uh, you know, how you apply that knowledge, um, you know, and we can just sort of bounce back and forth and just tell us what you've been up to, because I know it's a lot of good stuff. Cool. Sophie, I think you, I'd love for you to start. You want me to start? Yeah, somatics, you know, and your, <laughs> yeah. and your, and your life story now, how it all came to be. And how the um, heck you met this weird guy? Right? Exactly. Actually in somatic. Actually part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So like, as I said, I, I sort of would say that my response to any trauma or anything like that was dissociation growing up. It was just leave the body. Don't want to be here. Don't be part of the physical world. Like I just had so much sort of angst around being physical and being human <laughs> and a lot of resistance to it um, and sort of found this spiritual community um, and all of that. And, and I truly believe in spiritual practices and meditation and all of that. And at the same time, as someone who utilized dissociation as a response to trauma, it furthered me in that. So for me, it was counterproductive in certain ways. And I think it can be for some people, um, where you're now, you, you're now like your response to trauma is now what you think you should be doing that that's now praised. Oh, I can meditate for this long, or I can do these, like transcend the body, be above the body, release the, the needs of the body. Um, and so I got really good at that. Uh, and I thought that, you know, I was doing great. Like I was so spiritual and so, you know, enlightened and all of this. And I did, um, I did, so I did USM straight out of college and I had done philosophy and psychoanalysis in college. And so then I did the spiritual psychology and I love USM and I love the program that they did. And there was no body involved in it. So I didn't really have to deal with that. It was again, more of the like, oh, I can just, you know, be above the body. Um, and then I sort of fell into this underground healing community in LA where one of the, I guess, like main people of it was a body worker, an ex Navy SEAL um, who utilized this body work that was based in Chinese Meridian theory. And you actually walk on the person's body. So, um, he called it machine. Um, we now kind of refer to it more as like Soma Stomp, just because we thought that was cute. Um, but you're walking on the body on different Chinese meridians. And the pain that was in my body was insane. Um, and, and it really felt like as I got deeper into getting that body work, all of the other things actually started to land. So all of the spiritual training I'd done, all of the principles, all of that actually started to, to sort of land in my body. Whereas before it had been much more just sort of like an idea or something um, to think about. And at some point um, I sort of had a moment where I didn't think I wanted to do a PhD. I actually didn't like school. Um, I was, uh, I think in my first or second grade, 
my teacher pulled my parents aside with me there and was basically like, Sophie is so severely dyslexic that she probably won't go through high school. College is completely out of the question. Um, and, and I think part of the getting the PhD was a little bit of a fuck you to that teacher, uh, to be honest. Um, but also like I had this moment where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd started training in this body work and was seeing clients. Um, and someone took me to Pacifica as a, a friend of mine took me to Pacifica just as like a, um, they were checking it out. And when I was there, they were talking all about psychology and including the body. And on the way home, um, my friend was like, you know, you seem so quiet, what's going on? And I was like, I think I'm coming back to school. Like I'm, I'm confused by it, but I think that's happening. And I went on um, Pacifica's website that night and, it, and as you were asking about somatic, so I had no idea what the word somatic meant yet. Even though I'd now been training in body work, I had been doing body work on people, seeing clients. Um, I didn't know the word somatic. And on the website, it had this depth psychology with emphasis in somatics. And my eyes kept going to it, but I had no clue what that meant. Um, and I really wanted to do this other program, but my eyes just kept going to this one. So I literally highlighted somatics and put it in Wikipedia and read it and was like, oh, it's a, dis it's a PhD in what I do. It's, it's, a, it's a PhD in literally taking psychology with the body as a main focus. Um, and so I enrolled, I put in my application at 3 a.m. that morning and went ahead with it. Um, but to segue into Yerasimos, uh, we actually met in that underground healing community uh, training in that. In it was, that like, it was this five, five day, all day and night, just doing deep body work. I mean, it was, it was pretty intense stuff. And so we and I connected there we're friends for like six months before. and creating the yeah. work which if you want to get to know someone yeah do body work on them before you date that's pretty intimate that's how i that's how mike and i met oh yeah. awesome you know and this this kind of work too it's you know there the has large hands this specific uh, modality, you're walking on the body, but it's it's like different than like Thai or Shiatsu. You, you're spending a lot of time on certain parts of the body with deep rhythmic pressure um, combined with breath work relative to the level of sensation that you're feeling in the body. So it has the, uh, if you're looking at it from a, from a, like a Reikian standpoint or an armoring standpoint, you're really kind of breaking, you know, working through the armoring, armoring and that the musculature and the excess tension combined with the breath and getting that, the, the bio energy flowing and the blood flowing and the limb flowing. And what happens very often is on, you know, suppressed emotions come up to the surface to be experienced, to be integrated, to be processed. So, you know, so if you can talk about this more as well, but our view is we look at the body as the shadow you know, as the repository for your history, for your traumas, for your wounds, for things that have been passed down to you. So, you know, it's part of the, you know, when I, when people talk about shadow work, it's a word that's thrown a lot, thrown around a lot today in, in different communities. And it's like, oh, I'm doing shadow work and I'm doing shadow work. And, you know, the shadow is, is the thing, it's the thing that you've pushed down that you've, for, that you've even forgotten that you've pushed it down, you know? And it's like, how do you make the things conscious? You know, like the great young quote, 
you know, how do you bring things up so you can become aware of it? So it doesn't end up just becoming fate in your life and becoming the way your life turns out. And working through the body is one way of doing that. It's a way to bring shadow material up to go, oh, shit, that's interesting. Oh, that memory came up. Oh, these emotions, these are foreign to me. How do I face them? How do I, uh, you know, go through a process of integrating them and, and, and expanding my consciousness in that way where you have more access to who you are? You know, you can experience the totality of emotions and feelings and and not just identify with them because of the conditioning process that happens to our throughout our life. And I just wanted to jump in there. Yeah. One of my absolute favorite quotes is uh, by Robert Romanishan. And he's talking about working with a client and he says, her body remembered what was too pain, what was too important to forget, but too painful to remember. And it really, when I think about somatics or including the body in any kind of healing work and stuff like that is that, we experience life through our bodies. We experience life through all of our senses, through this vehicle. And there are certain things that are so important to our beings, um, to our stories, to how we interpret things, to how we move in the world. And yet in order to, like the idea of trying to be consciously aware of every single moment and experience of our lives is too much. It's too much. And a lot of them are, might be too painful, as that quote says. So then our, it's the responsibility of our bodies to hold that. And then as practitioners or as people looking to do shadow work or to go into that, it's like going into the unconscious of what's held in our bodies, because then we get to bypass the conscious mind and not in a way where, you know, we're trying to get somebody to have like a psychic break if they can't like handle it, but you're doing it in a way where you're going into the body, getting to those deeper layers. And, and if anything organically comes to the surface, then working with it from there. So how I usually explain, especially somatic experiencing, because it's more of a talk therapy situation is that I'm following the body more than I'm following the story that the person is telling me. So I'm tracking their nervous system. I'm tracking their body movements. I'm tracking their gestures. I'm tracking, I'm tracking the emotions and things like that. But I'm more focused on those than I am of the actual words, maybe not words, but the storyline that they're telling me. I'm picking up, I'm trying to pick up more on the other stuff that's going on because that's, yeah generally telling a different story because a lot of people consciously have an idea of what they want to portray and the body probably tells a different story. Um, yeah, you know, we, the whole thing of like, the body a, doesn't lie. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that same thing. Uh, the body doesn't lie. The old saying, you know, I used to look at the uh, muscles of the body in particular as display panels for everything else. And I think where medical science, all science has been led astray is, you know, we're looking at the materialistic after effects rather than understanding that what we see or, uh, you know, register with our senses is actually congealed cosmic function. So uh, what you're describing there is uh, functional medicine. And when you look at things from that perspective, and also when you apply that understanding, it's very often very contradictory to what the mainstream medical uh, practitioners would think needs to be done. And, um, you know, the other thing about uh, muscles, it's where the will force meets 
uh, you know, the material body. And that is one of those other functional intangibles that medical science just doesn't get yet. And, uh, you know, if you know how to mobilize that will force, and, and I think, you know, maybe if you can get more into the actual movements of, you know, pandiculation and all that kind of stuff, if you guys still use it, uh, the same terminology, then you're having people use higher motor centers to initiate action in order to release those things. And, you know, and, and, and from my perspective, using the body in that way, you also get out of story because the story is a story. And we've all got doozies of stories. And if you stay in it forever, uh, you know, that's not that productive either. On the other hand, if you use your body, that's just morphologically changed size, shape and function in order to accommodate those neurological signals, then, you know, you're going to get somewhere uh, and way beyond what any shrink can do. Yeah. 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 And, and obviously we're in a realm these days where we're like talking right now on Zoom and we're digital has become so big is that. I love what you're saying. You're also, it, it is a huge trend right now in, in terms of doing the shadow work and people think that they can go on a zoom and do some kind of meditation and somehow dispel um, what we're talking about here without engaging with the body. There's a reason why we have a body, this avatar, right? There's a reason why the hermetic tradition is underlaying every single mystery school and every single occulted practice, because they understand it all comes down to the body. Uh, we did a show on the bio computer bear which you were touching on right now and, and we've touched on kinesiology and all this stuff and it's literally the magic and the realm is our body the greatest technology is right here so i love this and i want to get deeper into this could we get a i don't know if maybe we have maybe i missed it but a, an actual definition of somatics exactly kind of where what you guys define that as i think that would help our community understand better i'll leave well, that up to Sophie. you want to break down the greek <laughs> well, I could start off by Etymology. saying, you know, you know, <laughs> somatics comes from the Greek word soma, which means body. But, uh, you know, more, more specifically, and Sophie can get into this, obviously, she spent six years uh, in this field uh, studying, but it's the lived body. So it's not just this like, okay, it's a body. It's just, it's what I said before about like, it's a, it's a part of who you are. And actually, you know, there's a great young quote that I have somewhere, I don't know where it went, but it's this idea where we talk about body mind separately, but we just do that just for sake of understanding, but really it's, it's a living psyche or a living body, you know? And, and I think that's where the word soma and somatics come into play but there's probably some other definitions as well. Yeah, I mean, I usually, in really simple terms, just say it's the lived body. So it's the lived experience um, through the body with the body. Um, yeah. Does that feel okay. adequate or does that feel? <laughs> so um, somatics itself, I'll go back to my original training. You, you guys, I'm sure or where the whole hand is. I don't even know if they're still down there doing it, but this is a very long time ago that I was involved. And I do somatics every day, by the way, you know, I, that's how I warm up for my regular stretch and all the other stuff I do. Um, you know, because, uh, okay. So what I would think of is just classic, this is just a neuromuscular end of somatics. And then, you, you know, you tell me any refinements that have occurred since, uh, since my early days 
is uh, using the body to initiate action, you know, and then, uh, you know, you, you maybe do a contraction. Uh, they call this pandiculation, I think was the term. Mm -hmm. And then you relax and then you just slowly, you know, let the muscle go after a maximum contraction. And then you kind of can see if there's any speed bumps along the way. You can go back to that until it's all the way relaxed. And then, of course, you're very conscious of, you know, what you're, you know, observing through the relaxation process. But uh, let's say it this way. Um, if you're stretching, which most people are more familiar with, or even a lot of yoga, uh, you're really trying to stretch muscles that are hanging on for dear life for a certain reason. And, uh, you know, that muscle has been taught to be tense because it's guarding, it's protecting something. It, you might as well walk over to somebody hanging on, you know, white knuckling the edge of a cliff and say, hey, just relax. It's like, no, that it's trying to, you know, stretch in that way. So what you're doing is using the higher motor centers and your will force in order to just not only, uh, you know, tell that muscle, you know, it's safe to relax. And, you know, uh, why don't you take it from there and, and tell me if I'm in the right direction or not? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's definitely a part of it. I would say that maybe mm -hmm. now the term somatics is used um, more broadly in terms of literally anything mm -hmm. that includes the experience of the body or mm -hmm. with the body. Right. So even like, so one of the trainings, somatic experiencing, which is Peter Levine's work, um, mm -hmm. is really just focusing on the physical experience of things. Oh, well, not really. I feel so like, like I so like it, I, I mentioned being a plumber earlier, which I actually was a plumber for a couple of years, um, which was fantastic work, but like, that's very physical. So right. like literally you can engage with somatics while installing black pipe for a gas line. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say usually I would say somatics now, especially in the way that we're using it is going to be more of an inner oriented journey of like, if while you're installing that black pipe, you have some sort of memory or you, or you realize that like, Oh, I'm not, able to turn in the certain way or something and you start excavating that idea or that experience that would be more of how i would be yeah. referring to somatics now or somatic work mm -hmm. somatic focus work um mm -hmm. and even, we're really looking at the story through the body and even like mm -hmm. just having presence with the body while you're doing something like plumbing or any physical act you know where you're aware of the subtle sensations that's going on from the the bottom of your foot to the top of your head like can you bring more and more awareness to what's going on can you bring awareness to to feelings that are present as well you know because so often i feel like people are completely cut off mm. from it you know they're cut off from yeah. their breath they're cut off they're, they're very rigid you'd mentioned you know neuromuscular tension there's excess tension and so how can we bring more fluidity to the body how we how can we bring more flow and so there's like a chinese saying um that goes something like this. I think it's like where there's no movement, there's pain. And where there's movement, there's no pain. So we, we want to bring more flow in the body. And with some of these bodywork modalities, there are people who can go through their day-to-day -day life and be like, oh, I don't, my shoulder's fine, my knee's fine, my hip's fine. And then you just, you put a little pressure on their, on, on their tissues and they're at a 10 pain-wise. So again, it's like, 
how, how is that showing up in their life? And what I find with the people I work with, the people that are fluid in their movement, the people that have, don't have the pain in their tissues, where the blood's flowing, the limbs flowing, they, they have, they're flexible. And when I mean flexibility, I don't mean like hyper flaccid and overly flexible. I mean like nice, healthy tension in the body. Their exterior reality, their external life meets that, you know, there's less drama, there's more presence. I've just fi- found that to be the case. And when people, when the frequency of the body or the things aren't operating the way they should in the body, their external life meets that as well. So okay. that's what I've found, if that so- makes any sense. And so the awareness, could, uh, as we were talking about, mm-hmm. like having the awareness mm-hmm. of like what's going on in your body or in, even like turning into other people's bodies, but like really tuning into like, what is my breath like right now? Or why did I just make this certain gesture? Or why did I just shake my head in that way? Or why do I feel resistance in a certain way? Or even as Yerasmus was saying about somebody who, you know, doesn't realize that they have shoulder pain or doesn't realize that they have these things. It's like, there are people who are so disconnected from their somatic experience that they don't know. Like for them, they really aren't in pain, but you're looking at it and you're like, your shoulder is all like jacked up and crazy. Like that has to be painful. (laughs) (laughs) So you're talking about like literally a mindfulness of our physicality, like know thyself, know thyself. No, we're not, we get so in here and I'm pointing to my brain, my head for those listening that we've gotten disconnected from the, the like the most important thing, which is how we're going to live long and how we're going to thrive, which is our our actual physicality. Uh, you're going to say something, Bear? Well, I was just going to ask if we could elaborate a little bit more what that looks like clinically. Now, when I was practicing somatics, you know, meant much more, and it would lead me into all sorts of tools, everything from meridian therapy to you know, internal processes, emotional releases, even chemistry and, and, and a lot of other things in order to, you know, whatever level that things were holding on. And it was all about, you know, reset, reset in a sequential way so that that outer structure, you know, was more capable of releasing. Um, by the way, Mike, I didn't realize you're so handy with a plunger there. That's good to know. Um, Shoot. But uh, so if you guys could uh, just elaborate a little bit more as far as how you go about it in a clinical setting, uh, what that would look like if I come in and, and you know, what you're going to employ in order to help me observe myself. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll talk about it. You know, I'm, I, when I have a bodywork session in particular with someone, you know, they'll come in, I'll have a conversation. Like I want it to be a holistic process. Like I talk, you know, I, I, I want to know where they're at. I take a look at their posture. I mean, sometimes even just from the basic somatic stuff, you see someone who has their, their rounded shoulders forward, they're closing off the heart. They tend to be more insecure, maybe dealing with depression, shyness, you know, you see people who are like, like more like this with their shoulders back they can be a little cut off, maybe aggressive, overconfident. I mean, these are just basics in terms of from a, observing things posturally. But in a session with with me, you'd come in, we'd have a dialogue, I'd ask if you have any injuries, and then we kind of get right on the mat. Now people are fully clothed, I have them lie down, we start working with the, the bladder channel in the body, which is the largest, you know, meridian in the body, and we're walking on the hamstrings and the calves. And so I'm, I'm, I have a walker, like I use a little walker, which we had up in Music and Sky when we were there. And um, yeah, I'm, literally like an old person walker. Yeah, the old person walker, you know, to use the It's great the traveling with it. You get lots of weird looks. Yeah, especially when you look somewhat young and healthy, I'd like to say. Um, I use one of those. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. Not yet. Uh, uh, so I'll walk on a person's hamstrings starting off, you know, and then I'll check in with them. Usually I start by saying, Hey, listen, you know, if, if 10 is the highest pain threshold and one is feels super, super pleasurable and five is neutral, meaning there's no pleasure, there's no pain. It just feels like pressure. Like someone's walking on you. What's your level of comfort or discomfort? Now, of course, people are going to have different relationships to pain, et cetera. But for the purposes of this, they tune in, they say a number, and then we guide them in breath during it during the process. Now I can feel with my feet often like the level of excess tension that's there. But again, we're, we're looking at it from a pain standpoint as well. Now we want a person to meet their pain with breath. We don't want to traumatize them, but we also know that a lot of transformation can happen through the experience and the allowing of pain to be present. And so by breathing through it, by meeting it, by getting the, the energy flowing, magic happens. You know, there, there's, there are things that bubble to the surface. There are temperature changes. I notice my temperature changes. A lot of times when I get hot, I I'll, I'll sometimes tune in either before or after. And I'll go, what's your relationship to anger? You know? So like anger can be leaving the body with like when I'm getting hot or they're getting really heated. So, so you're having like a biofeedback from them or something. Yeah. Getting, okay. Interesting. You know? And so, you know, in a lot of ways I'm using the techniques and then seeing what comes up and then being there and holding space for them. Cause sometimes people can have like 20, 30 minute, like weeping and there's no story even attached to it. There's just like a undulations of the body and, and emotions coming forth um, that I find. I mean, when I first experienced this work, it was life-changing because my foundational um, let's say training was I was an actor and I got really into psychology and really curious about who I was as a human being and, and how I was raised and, and how that supported my personality process. And then how then going to become a performer, I needed to express more of who I was and how was I going to do that in a natural way? So that was like my, my basic process, reading spiritual texts, getting into psychology. But then once I took it to the place of okay, well, you're awesome. What are you, what are you storing in your body? You know, I thought I was great. Oh, everything's fine. No, I'm living life. I'm in LA now, but I didn't realize the pain that was, I was being stored that was stored in my body. And that when I went through this, I call it initiation, this like first five day, all day, night experience, I came out of it a completely different person. I came out of it more grounded, more present, more self-love, more acceptance. Um, I understood myself on a deeper level because all this, there was a lot of stuff that was locked in me that for whatever reason, these processes supported the movement of that energy. And for whatever reason, I was, there was energy keeping it in place. You know, my unconscious was like, man, not, not, not yet. You're not ready to deal with it. And then it got to a place where I was ready. And I had, I had the, the wherewithal or I had the, the mind also to, to be able to handle it and to integrate it. Does this make sense what I'm saying? So I'd love to get more and I know Bear has amazing things to say about this, what pain is and what's the function of pain and how that relates to our psycho, you know, as a not only a survival mechanism, but, and then how that relates to kind of our spiritual, you know, uh, endeavor here. Um, but also then how that can relate to chronic pain and why people experience that later. It seems like there's, there's like a crystallization of it within certain parts of our body that is meant to, um, you know, as the biocomputer idea that it's there as a part of our functionality so that we can, can, can get along and get by. But if we don't handle it, eventually it'll, right. It'll turn into, um, some dire consequences, even lead us to potential death down the line. So 
what is pain in your opinion and what uh, is its prime uh, functionality for us? Um, from my standpoint, and I'm, I'm not an expert in the, the minutia of pain. So I'd love to hear bears, um, uh, information on this, but I, I just look at it simply as there's, there's a, there's a blocked energy. Um, uh, there could be blocked blood flow. Um, and, and I I'd like to support the movement of it and then see what happens. It's very basic, uh, but I'd love to hear it from a more scientific standpoint. What Sophie? I was going to say, just the word stagnation, like there's stagnation there. Yeah. There's a great um, Chinese proverb that I love. It's called, uh, can I read it to y'all? It relates to, I think, what we're talking about. Please do. Please. Uh, Worms will not eat living wood where the vital sap is flowing. Rust will not hinder the opening of a gate when the hinges are used each day. Movement gives health and life. Stagnation brings disease and dysfunction. The point is not whether you are, uh, oh no, that was it. There we go. I was reading something else. So movement gives health and life stagnation brings disease dysfunction. And so I, I think, that. so I think that that just symbolizes a lot that pain represents that. And how does it lead to disease? I mean, bear, I'm sure you can get, um, go deeper into this and teach us a few things. Well, I, I could get all nerdy on the neurological <laughs> level, but you know, actually what really makes me tick is again, I just look at it as a functional um, thing. So I agree with everything all you guys have said, but I would sum up pain as avoidance. And uh, the proof of the pudding is for me is when I would take people in pain and take them into the center of it, um, then pain would abate most mm -hmm. of the time. Oh, and that was the best yeah. way to deal with it. Because as soon as we feel pain, what's, what's the reaction? You know, it's this, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's that we want to stay with it. We want or away from it. We want to, you know, do anything imaginable to you know including drugs in order to deaden it but when you lose that fear of it you just go into the center of it it's amazing what you learn and it's also amazing how you can dissipate it on the spot but any any remarks i, I was that? just gonna say when we took our mindfulness course when blake when my wife was um pregnant with our first child because she wanted to have a totally um you know natural birth we took a extensive mindfulness course in san francisco with a specialist there you know and it was more traditional mindful meditation but that's what we learned is to go into the pain literally be as mindful as you can of the pain and that of course plays a major role in childbirth and i know women actually they talk about having an almost ecstatic experience in that pain um, and that pain is there to teach them you know is to mark that that moment in their life in a way that's profound. And I've realized that uh, when I've had an injury or something by going into that pain, it almost starts to become not pleasurable. I think there are some, was it sadists or masochists that invert that pain into pleasure? And that gets a little weird, but uh, there, it, it is really interesting concept. Um, and I try to, when my kids fall or something, you know, I don't run to go get them an Advil or something. You know, I, I, I try to teach them to go into breath First and foremost, go into breath and then go into the pain. Uh, and it is a fast, I think pain's a fascinating topic. I mean, Bear, we can do an entire podcast on it and how this, our modern culture is, you're right. There's a whole industry based around avoiding pain for a reason. I'd love to go deeper into this because this is such a, um, a foundation for my work with people uh, through the body work, through my coaching work. And it's like, and again, I'm, I'm a lover of quotes. So I hope it's okay that I bring up quotes from some of the past masters. And 
again, you know, from, from the OG young, you know, people will do anything no matter how absurd in order to avoid facing their own soul, you know? And it's about like, one does not become um, enlightened by imagining figures of light, but of, of bringing the darkness conscious. And so pain is part of that process. And people will spend their time on their cell phones. They will watch pornography all day. They will eat shitty foods. They will, they will you know, distract themselves to the end of the world before just even allowing uh, uh, just the discomfort to be present. And how can you make changes in your life if you don't allow, allow yourself to feel the pain? Because for me, pain is a great motivator for change. You know, if you don't, if you don't know what's going on, if you can't feel the pain, you're going to live in this place of stagnation. You're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. But then pain goes, oh, fuck, I might need to do something different. I got to start taking care of my body or, you know what, this relationship that I'm in is not serving me or this job that I'm at, like I've been at it for 15 years and I hate it. And then I'm feeling it in my body and I'm feeling it in, in my entire life. So again, like pain is a gold pain is a gift. I feel like it also still comes back to that awareness point um, that we were talking about earlier of like the more that you can be aware and in tune with yourself, especially as you're going through pain and things like that, like the more presence that you can bring to it, the, the faster and the easier and everything it's going to go to like get through it. Like one of the things um, that you were talking about with like the breath with your kids when they fall and things like that, it's like, so one of the things that, um, we learn, especially in our bodywork training, because sometimes there's very, very, very high sensation, um, as someone is standing on your body and I will stop working on someone the moment that they cannot meet their level of sensation with their breath, because the first thing you do when you're in a trauma response, hold your breath, your whole body tightens, everything goes like that. So if that's their response to to whatever sensation they're having with whatever I'm doing, we're now in a re-traumatization situation. So while I, I'm always sort of like coaxing people, like meet your, meet the sensation, meet the sensation, meet the sensation with your breath, like keep moving through it. As soon as they're like, I'm at a 10 and they're not breathing, I'm immediately off of their body. Yeah. Even if, even if they're like, oh, I'm at a nine, something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you should be having a, you should be having a reaction of some sort. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a disconnect there. If you're saying that you're at a nine and 10, but you're breathing just naturally and like, Oh, it's fine. Like, no, we're not meeting what's actually happening. There's not that presence. There's not that awareness. That's not, that's not being in tune with yourself and moving through it. That's like a dissociation. I'm not even here and I'm not even letting myself feel what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, would you say we're in a kind of an, ep I don't know about an epidemic, but of a, a, a culture, a society that is almost numb now yeah. to, a, to a lot and, and have lost the connection to even experience pain. And then also, um, I do feel like we got uh, an epidemic of shallow breathers, right? Mm -hmm. People, we talked about this years ago, Bear, now, like two years ago on our breathwork special we did, AlphaCast, and how I think and someone I think even said this in the chat that is somewhat of a representation of a shallow society is that we now have shallow breathers because of you're not taking you know, in life. You're not yeah. really taking it in. You're not really being present with your experience. You're like <laughs> shallow mouth breathing, you know, suffocate myself. 
Yeah, my years living in Hawaii, uh, you know, non-natives were referred to as Howleys, and it, you know, it became more of a, it's just, uh, you know, more of a, a term of a, endearment, a low-level slam on you know different races of people. But originally, Howley meant without breath. And what the uh, native peoples of the island noticed is uh, these these newcomers that were trying to, uh, you know, cram their way of life down their throats and everything. They they just they you know and breath not just meaning the physical breath. It was you know the the mana the prana the you know yeah. just just uh, the the living intelligence from the ether there without that they were unaware, unconscious of the whole thing. And of course, when we talk about breath, you know, in the martial arts, the first thing you learn is that breath is a vehicle for energy. So you use that breath to move things. And then going back to somatics, uh, you know, when you're using these movements to release, uh, you know, you're always using the breath work in conjunction. And then when you do get those little speed bumps, you know, that the energy, if you're really conscious of it, is going to kind of bump up against, you know, that that's all the good stuff. So like you say, Sophie, uh, Sophie it's perfect. It's that, you know, a lot of people are just unaware when they say, oh, I, I don't feel anything. It's just like they don't want to feel anything. So, you know, we live in a um, in a very peculiar uh, time right now where there's all sorts of other traumas going on and we've all had our life stories and had those traumas and we all you know wear that uh, but now you know if you look at every cell in our body as a living sentient being and then it's constantly being barded with everything from uh, microwaves to all the other stuff we're inundated with um, you know that I think people don't realize uh, causes that same kind of like in the old school somatics, we call the red light reflex or a green light, you know, where your fighters, uh, uh, fight or flight. So um, how do you handle that with people that, you know, can't get away from their adversaries and the constant bombardment of trauma on every neurological and psychological level? So do you want to answer this? I want, I mean, I feel like your coaching program is very well, well, at the end of the day, I'm an, I'm an advocate of personal responsibility. So personal responsibility and self-education. So you have to first understand like what you just said, bear, like that we're being bombarded from every single angle by toxins, visible and invisible. And, and, and what is that, what is that doing to us? And we've become so removed from ourselves. And in essence, we've become because of that removed from nature, and so nature is, is what's going to bring us back, understanding our nature on the deepest levels, understanding our biology on the deepest levels and reconnecting with nature and, and trying our best to move away from these, you know, non-native uh, electromagnetic fields and, and hugging a tree and listening to birds chirp and putting your feet in the ground and paying attention. And while you're doing all that, paying attention to your breath and paying attention to the sensations that come up. I think a lot of healing can come up through the slowing down process because we're being distracted in so many ways. And I'm, I'm at fault for it as well. You know, I'm on my devices way more often than I'd like to be. But when I go outside and we're surrounded by nature and I tune in and go, okay, how is my breath right now? Am I a shallow mouth breather? Or am I breathing more three-dimensionally? And I'm allowing that breath to go everywhere oh, wow, like then feelings can sometimes come up and I go, fuck, like, man, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm not taking care of myself in, in the way I know I should be taking care of myself or I'm not connecting with my wife the way I should be connecting with my wife. 
Um, like th this is where that the wisdom comes from. It's coming from my body because I'm allowing myself to just slow down. And I've taken myself out from, from all this, this stuff that's coming at us, you know, even, even just all the shit we take in informationally, like human beings, we weren't, we're not designed to be taking in all this information, bouncing from the little internet on our phones to the big internet on our computers and back and forth and left and right. And from one podcast to the next thing, like it's cool. I love technology. And like, are we a slave to it or are we using it as a tool? Yeah, we definitely exactly. live in this odd in between of like hyper connectivity and zero connectivity in a lot of ways. Like there's like this like junk food connection that we're all experiencing <laughs> that's Rosie girl. <laughs> um, there she is. She was at Music and Sky. Yeah, she was. She was injured back then, but she's yeah. better now. She, speaking of trauma. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no, that's- She looks very so traumatized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, being away from us, I can be somewhat traumatizing. So we're both here not paying attention to her on the computer. She was barking. So I brought her here to see if she'll chill. All right. Anyway. Uh, Sophie, to your point, though, I'd love you to continue because you're so dead on. What talk about a total, uh, you know, uh, paradox, right? We've never been so connected thanks to the internet, but also we've never been so disconnected from our bodies. And and one thing, speaking of music and sky, that you spoke at, spoke about on stage is um, one of the most needed things for us to thrive is touch human touch and what do you know with the whole operation the last few years they're trying to deny human touch as much as they can yeah um i joke about that because my dissertation was on uh the interrelational dynamics of physical contact so like what's happening between two bodies when there's physical contact besides you know physical sensation like what else is happening because um I believe there's a lot happening. I believe there's a lot of communication happening between the bodies and even your own body as you're touching yourself. That's going to give you a lot of awareness. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't mean to be doing it on like one of the most controversial topics um, at the time, considering I started my dissertation topic, I don't know, way before all this went down um, and was interviewing body workers when they weren't allowed to be working. They weren't allowed to be touching people. Um, yeah, touch is, touch is huge. <laughs> touch is, touch is, uh, it's not a luxury. It is vital. It is necessary. Um, so I really just feel for people, you know, when I was talking with people through this and they'd be single and they don't have an animal and they live on their own in their tiny little apartment. And, you know, the, the, I don't know what is, could be more painful to a social being where we are literally hardwired for social connection. And the yeah. only connection they had was through a phone or a computer. And at least there was something now, you know, that you can hear someone and all of that, but. You know, it'd be just, a great service. It might freak some people out, kids out there, go down your neighborhood and just start ringing doorbells. And instead of trying to sell something, just offer a hug. Just yeah, offer right. a hug. It might freak some people out, but that no. um, that would be a really cool project. I'm going to have my kids do that this week. Yeah. I'm going to have them go up their street and ring on everyone's doorbell and go, can we give you a hug? We're offering hugs today. That it would be the sweetest thing ever, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was all I about the free hugs. I think we might have another uh, Uber enterprise uh, in the making here, Mike. You, right? you might yeah. be onto something. Make sure it's you know it's no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, no coincidence either that medicine has become a complete technological interface between doctor and patient. You know, back uh, when I did my more um, conventional medical training, there's still a lot of old school stuff where you, you know, did a lot of physical exam and you're actually touching people. That's uh, largely been replaced now with just looking at labs and hooking up electrodes and, and you know, everything to avoid uh, touch. And of course, uh, social distancing is nothing new because my, the first thing I learned in my conventional training was about professional distancing. You don't want to get too emotionally evolved or, or too close to your patient because uh, then you won't be the objective, uh, you know, cold scientist sort of thing. So it's really inbred into that profession. Even though there's tons of studies that point to if a doctor literally just like brushes the patient with their hand, yeah. they will have a drastically different outcome in their procedures. Mm. Pretty incredible. So uh, uh, one thing someone in chat was like, well, ahead, you send your kids doing that. Watch out for the pedos. Good point. Good point. Don't do it in the cities. Luckily, I know every single neighbor on our block because we live in a town of 600 people. And that's the beauty of living in a small town as we know everybody. Yeah. Doesn't mean I remember. That. Yeah. You could also go with them. There was a, <laughs> yeah. there was like a, an infographic or meme that was talking about like the benefits, like the psychological and health benefits of a hugging. And I, I had posted it on uh, Instagram at the, at the heat of the, the scandemic. Um, and, um, and I was like free hugs in Topanga, whoever wants to come by. And I definitely got some backlash for that one, but Hey, that's part of it. What are you going to do? Spreading your nasty germs. Yeah. Spreading I have to admit too, that if a guy rang my doorbell, uh, some guy with a beard and asked for a hug, it might freak me out a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, he, he would just bring Sophie and then you'd be like, oh, come. Okay. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> hey, so okay, this so, is a, um, go ahead. I was probably going to do what you're going to say, Bear. I'd love to segue yeah. into human design because I okay, feel like. Perfect. Yeah, because I feel like I'm trying to I, I'm trying to wrap my head around. we And we've talked about the Enneagram in the past. We did a whole show on that. And, you know, Bear and I are very esoteric in a lot of our uh, sensibilities around consciousness and and the spirit and reincarnation and how we all choose to come in here, soul contracts, whatnot. And I, I'm curious, like, do we set up this avatar in a way that defines who we are? Or is it the other way around? Does the avatar define who we are? What is your opinion on that? And then how does this relate to human design? Or, or am I even on the right track with what human design is? Yeah, um, I think both, if that makes sense to what you said. Um, but from a human design standpoint, what I love about it, and again, there's so many things out there's astrology, there's numerology, there's systems based on playing cards, Enneagram, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's self knowledge, there are tools, take what works. If it doesn't resonate, let it go. I'm not going to just pick one system and be like, this is it. I'm religious about it. And this has all the answers to all the questions in the universe. And if you, dis if you disagree with anything, you shall be banned and exiled. And I just love 
I, yeah, I like human design. I think it's really cool, you know, and it integrates four ancient sciences, um, uh, Western astrology, a nine-centered Hindu chakra system, the Kabbalah, Tree of Life, and the Chinese I Ching, the Book of Changes, with an understanding of two modern sciences, uh, neutrinos and the genetic code. Now, I'm not like a scientist. I, I'll be honest. I'm not like an expert in like the nuance of like neutrinos and how it relates, but I think it's a cool way to really understand yourself, to accept yourself. It's known as like a, 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 an experiment. You take this knowledge and you start experimenting with it. And then you get feedback from your environment. You get feedback with the decisions you make and you see, hey, does this resonate? You know, are, is my life improving? Do I feel better about what's happening? And then you go from there. You know, it's, it, it, is, a just, it is a tool. And, um, you know, this information was, was downloaded by a man um well he goes by raw he passed away in 2011 but it's an interesting story which again my skeptical mind sometimes can be like whoa this is crazy but he was he had, he had like left to go to Ibiza I think he'd left his family in Canada I forget what this exact story is and he was in Ibiza living on like a hut on the side of side of the island he left home one day he came back the door to his place was open. There was a light on. He walked in, the door shut behind him and this voice penetrated him. This voice came to him for eight days and eight nights and gave him the foundational knowledge of what of human design is. This was in 1987. And it evolved. how good were the drugs in Ibiza then? I don't know, man. I don't know. But who knows? You know, and no, I'm so, just saying that is the at taking the devil's advocate here because you yeah. know people are me listening to this go, oh God, channeled stuff. Of Watch out. Of course. I mean, shit, didn't even like Carrie Mullis say he invented PCR when he took acid. So I mean, who knows? You know, like <laughs> people <laughs> but um, but there's actually you can Google, there's like the original the first ever, I think, um video presentation from Raw that he did in 1994. I think it was in Germany. It's like a 25 minute intro. It's kind of cool. Um, but anyways, it's, it's a system that integrates different things and, um, it supports you to really understand yourself better. Um, and so Sophie, you could add something to it. If you want to ask questions, we can get more into it. I would say it also, I mean, just as you were saying, like, does this, you know, segue in or how does this relate to what we were talking about is that human design is also very physical in terms of that, uh, one of the main I would say uh, sort of descriptions that someone will get in a human design reading is your authority. And so that is actually going to be how you make decisions best for you. And so there's um, different kinds, there's different centers that determine that for people based in their design. And it's a physical experience on your decision-making um, versus the mind. So you're not just thinking everything through. Um, it's a lot of training in how to become really aware, again, going into that awareness, going into that in tune with yourself and your experience is going to be what gives everyone the answers depending, and it will change a little bit depending on your authority. Um, however, each of them, it's a physical experience. So it's something where your body is directing you versus your mind. Um, I also, um, sorry, I got distracted by a phone that came in. Um, oh, I, I lost my train of thought. You're losing your authority, bro. Yeah, I, lo I lost my authority. Yeah, so, it'll, it'll come back to me. So, I, go ahead, Bear. Well, I was just going to say, so it sounds like, you know, we're talking about the sacred sciences and getting back in nature and everything, but, you know, it's, it gets back to hermetic principles, which is there's 
basically one mode of operation on a functional level. And if you can just see that, you know, there's an old saying, uh, you know, you can't reach the kingdom of heaven unless through the eyes of a child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a very specific part in our neurological programming where we lose that because we start you know, working with abstractions and purely on the mental plane. But there is a way, uh, you know, that I always talk about that, uh, you know, Steiner and Goethe kind of teamed up in a way and, uh, you know, went through that whole neurological programming and how to get back to that childlike ability to observe. And what you observe in nature, and this, it, it sounds mental, but it's really not because when you're out there and you see that, well, everything's got the same patterning, uh, you know, it, it, a light bulb comes on on another level that not only is that what makes me tick, but it's what makes everything tick. And, you know, if you just look at nature and, uh, you know, you see some things, uh, you know, like are open, you know, different kinds of flowers and crustaceans and other ones are like this. And then you can relate that down to what a Western mind would, you know, relate to calcium versus uh, silica or something, you know, it's just, you can follow the chain all the way down, but you see there's this pattern. And then you look at, you know, humans were the uh, humans is a bad word, but mankind is that intermediary event horizon that we always talk about that has the ability to mediate between heaven and earth be grounded, but you know, to, you know, to be uh, connected in other realms at the same time. So what I'm getting at is, I don't know what I'm getting at, but it's, um, uh, you know, we have the volition, the ability to um, be conscious of the whole process. You can look at a starfish versus, uh, you know, different kind of uh, shell that, you know, works on different principles, you know, like in somatics, green light versus red light. And, uh, you know, we have a choice. That's where our volition can, our free will can meet our somatic system, our musculoskeletal system. We can do it consciously. And of course, be that event horizon, which is that midpoint to be the perfect balance between the two unlike different patterns in nature where different life forms do not have that option. They're either one or the other, but they are there visibly to teach us about the two polarities. But then there's a secondary polarity that goes way beyond just looking at the materialistic aspects. And that's, I think, where some of us are starting to connect the dots and get into and maybe might even relate to a lot of what you guys are talking about. If any of that makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just need to come up north and hang out with you for uh, a few days so I could just learn a lot of stuff because uh, respect everything that's coming out of your mouth and it's really cool stuff. Um, I wanted to go back to what I thought about saying and then I got distracted when the phone came through. Um, but even around what human design is, uh, it's it's the science. It's known as the science of differentiation. So I really believe in in we're unique individuals, and if you look at anything around you right now in your room, every single thing has a purpose, you know, everything has a purpose. And so to think that each one of us doesn't have a purpose an essence, something to bring forth in this world would, I think would be silly and human design. Um, again, relating back to Mike, what you said in the beginning, it's like, it's, it's like a genetic blueprint, a soul blueprint. You know, if we put in your birth information and all this stuff, we come up with this thing called the body graph, a chart, and it has information on it. And another cool thing about human designs, which is what I, I enjoy, is it's a deconditioning process. 
So, you know, you may be raised by parents who understand this and support you as best they can to guide you based on, let's say, your human design or your astrology, whatever this information, maybe they see it, like you said, Bear, they're observing things and they, they just, they know, they, they just feel, they in tune into it. But for some people, like they can be conditioned and traumatized out of what their unique design is or who they're meant to be. Now, there are things that are going to come forward, the, the essence can be there. But as we individuate, as we come into our own, as we think about who we're meant to be and what our gifts are, you know, there's work that needs to be done. There's, there's, there's like a separation from like all the stuff that has been put on us by society, by parents, by family. This is how you should be. And you got to, at the end of the day, look in the mirror and go, well, who am I? Who am I? What lights me up? What, what are my gifts? And how do I give them and present them into the world? And human design is a tool that can support you in that. And it has for me, it's a lot of these divination practices, a lot of these, these tools throughout my path have, have highlighted. And I wouldn't even say for me, they've, they've been, I've like come across them and I've been like, oh my God, I didn't even know that was me. It's more an affirmation process as you're on the hero's journey of some of your gifts, of some of your challenges, of, of some of the things you can, you can lean towards that are going to support you to like, um, expressing yourself in the best way possible. You know, it's like the saying I always say, become who you were born to be. And part of what I do is supporting a person on that individual process of becoming who they were born to be. And there are different tools to support that and connecting human design somatics. Well, somatics can help the deconditioning process through the physical body, you know, by allowing these things to come forth by, by letting go of the excess weight and the tensions and the traumas and feeling yourself and, and feeling the totality of who you are and, and these different emotions and, and then supporting the thinking process. Cause we need a mind too, to, to, you know, to, to move through the world. And, and so I just, I don't know, that's why I love human design. I think it's really cool. There's other things out there as well, but human design works with the physical body, because like Sophie said, there are different inner authorities, which are decision-making. It's a decision-making element of your specific chart. So some people are known as emotional or solar plexus authorities, which means they're existing on emotional waves. And so their decision process is going to be a little slower. And so when they're at the height of an emotional wave or the low of the emotional wave, they probably shouldn't make major decisions because they, they should allow themselves to go through the process, the up and the down. And then when they get to an, a place of emotional clarity, they can tune in and make a decision. And so again, all this stuff is self-knowledge. You take your chart and you go, this is fueling my self-knowledge. And then you practice and you experiment with it and you go, oh my God, this is so true. And for other people, they might have a splenic authority. The splenic is like the quickest decision-making process it relates to the spleen center. It's, it's the center we share with animals. It's that fight or flight. And, and it's like that inner knowing of, no, 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 this is dangerous. This isn't right for me. And for a lot of people, they don't listen to that, that, that instinctual wisdom that's coming at them spontaneously. They've been trained out of it because of schooling, because of whatever the case may be. And for a lot of, um, of the types in human design, especially the generators, they have a gut response. It's the sacral center. It's all about listening to your gut, that uh-uh or uh-huh, the thing that lights you up, that you're drawn to, or the thing that you're like, that isn't right for me. And so the mind is a tool and it's very, very important. And yet using reason and by reason, I mean, taking all this information also from our senses, you know, from our body, from our emotions, from our intuition to support us to, you know, make proper decisions. Wow. So, so many in our uh, 
chat was just talking about gene keys and they said i yeah. probably have a gene key book here cool <laughs> yeah i have that book too by uh, richard rudd I, I haven't gone too into it there's some people who who combine the two there's correlations between the 64 gene keys and the 64 uh gates yeah. in design and uh which i think correlate with the six, 64 genetic codons i believe i don't know and so I think what we're also, we're really getting to is there's like a divine matrix of functionality in the in the universe, in the cosmos, in the realm, and everything is connected holistically. Uh, and what do you got there, Bear? I Ching. Oh, just another sixty-four number with the oh. I Ching. Oh, the medical I Ching. Yeah, it's a sixty-four yeah. hexagrams. You know, that's what correlates to the sixty-four yeah. gates in human design and sixty-four gene keys. And so it's it's fascinating syncretism, right, across all of this. It's and it makes a lot of sense. It's all divinely uh, created, and we're all aspects of that divinity. And it's really cool when we can start to put this in like a pragmatic approach, which it seems what human design is. And before we end today, maybe you guys can do um, look at our charts. I don't know. You guys can do that on the fly, or is well, that... I we can. And I actually was looking. I thought after you were on the podcast, we talked, we chatted about it afterwards. Yeah. And I thought I still had your chart saved, but I. I don't. So you'll have to maybe message me your information or either of you or both of you. Cool. Date, time, place, message it. I don't know if you want everyone knowing your info. Okay. So date. Absolutely. So that, that's what I was going to ask. What kind of information and how do you think that plays in? And then uh, I would love a little more backstory too, on what he was downloading and what message he got. It's interesting. His name's raw because of course you have, you have uh, the other channelings of raw, right. in the law of one. Well, he and, became that his initial name, I yeah. think was Robert Krakauer, you know, so oh, then it Krakauer. went Krakauer. Robert I think Krakow. it was. I, I could be wrong, but uh, if my memory serves me correctly, that was his name. And then it, he, he went by Ra Uru, who I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the initial the initial download was like the foundational elements of it, um, and then then throughout the years there was an evolution of the knowledge. And so there are actually different schools of thought. There's some like schools of human design that they just go by the initial download, uh, and I don't know about it too much. I think there were only two strategies as opposed to like um, four strategies uh, in human design. Each type has its own strategy. So do you want to go into like the, those elements of human design, like the main keywords and, okay. and what they sure. represent? Yeah, sure. And if you need um, to share a screen or anything, we could do that. I don't know um, if that's required. Well, how about this? Why don't you, why don't you uh, message Sophie your okay. date of birth, time of birth, and place of birth. I'll drop it and, in the Zoom chat And here. the Zoom chat. And then maybe while I talk about some of the basic elements of human design, she can look up your I'm chart. I'm going to just then... check my time again. I'm blanking on, on it. I'm going to check. It's, should that be on my record of live birth, Bear? Does that work for you, Sophie? Yeah. Bear, do you know what time you were born off the top of your head? I don't. I, of course I do. I remember I it clearly. I know. You remember coming out, right? Popping your head uh, actually, out. I do. Yeah. Actually, I'm not even I joking. He really before. does remember. There's also like I can a book tell I you the, Yeah. Uh, do you remember the smells? I can tell you the color, the, the delivery room, everybody that was there. I, I'm not joking. I just, for whatever reason, I remember it. That's, That's incredible. Amazing. There's a there's also a book I have here that talks about your life theme in human design, which is your incarnation cross, also known as that. Uh, so I don't know. We could like read a snippet from that as well, or I could just send it to you guys after. Uh, but again, human design there's different elements to it. So they talk about type and Sophie, please come in and, and, you know, fix anything that I say that might not be 
Right. <laughs> um, there's different types in human design. So you have five types. You have manifestors, which are around like, let's say 9% of the population. They're known as the initiators. They're the, they're the only type that like can, can catalyze on their own, you know, maybe not just interacting with their environment. You have generators and manifesting generators that make up total 70, 70% of the population. They're the, they're the energy sources. They're the batteries. They're the ones that make things happen. Now there's a little bit of a difference between manifesting generators and generators. Um, you have projectors, which is what Sophie is. I'm a pure generator. Sophie's a projector. Projectors are like aliens. They're, they're here to guide everyone. They're here to, to, to bring efficiency, efficiency to processes. Um, they're one of the newer, newer types that evolved after, I think, a certain time period. Um, and then you have uh, reflectors, which are one to 2% of the population. So they're very interesting uh, as well. And then you have profiles. Now the profiles are made from the numbers of the, the, the lines from the Chinese hexagram, one through six. And there's 12 total profiles. I'm a five one profile is the heretic investigator. Sophie's the three five, also known as a, the martyr uh, heretic. But all, you could also say that trial and error, learning through trial and error. Now, again, depending on your information and the dates that you, the information you put forth, we'll figure out what your profiles are. Uh, each type has its own strategy. And there's a specific strategy for living that it's cool to honor and experiment with. So generator strategy is to respond, to respond to life, waiting to respond, whatever it could be to anything, but it's, it's more waiting, allowing things to come to you and you respond projectors uh, strategy is to wait for the invitation. So projectors are all about um, being wanting to be recognized for their gifts and then invited. And then they could come forth and do what they do. And um, you have, the strategy for reflectors, I forget them sometimes because there's one to 2% of the population is to wait an entire lunar cycle. So they have a very different uh, way of, of dealing with uh, working with life. Um, what else can I get into? There's so many, so many elements to this. Uh, I talked about the inner authority. The inner authority is the decision-making process. I believe there's six different types of authorities. Um, and then, oh, this is what's a cool thing that I want to share is there's something called signature in human design. And signature is the quality that is present when, when you're living in alignment with your design. Now, you can be doing this if you don't even know anything about human design. Or if you understand the system, you're using it as a tool, you can check in. But for each type, there's a signature. And then there's a not-self theme. The not-self theme is what presents itself when you're living the not self, not, not, not in alignment with your human design. So for, I wish I knew what y'all were. I think, um, I think Mike is a Mike's an MG. Generator. He's an MG. Cool. So let's talk about generators first. The signature for the generators and manifesting generators is satisfaction. You know, when we're feeling, when we're, when we're in alignment with our design, we're making decisions that are right for us we feel a sense of satisfaction in our work and our life and our relationships. Now, when we're not living in alignment with our design, the thing that presents itself for generators and manifesting generators is frustration. So frustration can be a signpost to go, okay, well, maybe I said yes to something I should have said no to or, or no to something I said yes to or, or something else is, 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 you know, is presenting itself. So it's good to notice that. Now for projectors, do you want to talk about projectors, babe? Or do you want me to keep, yeah, about the success. Okay, I'll just keep, I'll just keep the flow going, you know. 
one thing with generate generators, once they start going, once they respond, they like to stay in the flow. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, keep going with that. So projectors, their, their signature is success. Again, when they're feeling successful, when they feel like they've been recognized and they can give their gifts, this is what's present for them. But the not self theme for projectors is bitterness. Bitterness can, can, can present itself. So again, it's a signal. It's like a, uh, a sign for projectors to go, okay, well, maybe I need to make some changes in my life. Um, and then for manifestors, they're not self, they're, their signature is peace. When they have, when they're feeling peace in their life, they're living in alignment with their design. Then maybe they're not getting resistance from the people in their lives, their environment, but the not self theme for manifestors is anger. So when anger is present, it's a signpost for them that maybe, you know, things aren't, um, you know, aligned in the way that they'd like it to be. And then you have reflectors too, which is surprise is there when they're feeling surprised, that's, um, that's their signature. And then when they're disappointed, that's their not self theme. Anyways, I feel like I'm doing like a little mini class on human design here. Cool. Awesome. So Sophie, did you get me psyched out yet? Yeah. Well, Where's like, there's like enough of what he's saying. I want to know about me. I put in the I, chat. Oh, it's you. Oh, that's you. Okay. I didn't, I don't have mics then. So I put you up as Mike. So you're actually a manifesting generator. Mike, did you send yours? Um, I wasn't born in 1951 quite. I, I people have been joking <laughs> that I'm old in the chat. Dude, right today, I can't believe you thought Mike was. Hit me on my I just put in the information. I wasn't really hit like. Hit me on my beeper, yo. I was also. <laughs> oh shoot! Sorry, Bear. I called Listen, out Renee Barton. Everyone knows. Time. Everyone knows your old Bear. So they're both manifesting generators. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we're both. We do. We're our birthdays are like two days apart, and we're both very similar archetypes. For so sure. are you both Virgos? We're both yeah. Virgos, and I believe my birth time was um, six oh five a.m. I'll put. I'll put it in the chat here. You got a little yeah. Leo. Yeah, I'm a Leo. You're a Leo. Okay. I'm a Leo. Oh, you're a Lurgo. Yeah. You're a Lurgo. Yeah. So I'm Sophie's not a, an anal type. So Sophie's a Virgo. I collect Virgos. They're everywhere. You know, my oh, sorry. No offense, Sophie. I didn't mean that for you. What's, wrong, right. with my, What's wrong with anal? Oh, go ahead. Uh, there, I'm a, my, Le my moon is Leo. So we share that connection. Not that I know much about astrology, but I just, you know, yeah. You know, I never read my chart or anything, but I had a, a patient one time who is this well-known astrologer. She insisted on doing it. So I got a whole download, whether I wanted it or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. Again, like I, I think this stuff is interesting and I think it's uh it's a tool and it's information and take it, leave it, whatever, you know, I think, I think anything that's like that, get awesome. Us when you were talking about like what we do in sessions and things, and you started with just how we, you know, start generally start with the backs of the legs. Um, but then it's all individualized. And so using human design with that just is like an extra tool on, being really individually focused with each person. So as Yerasmus was saying, like, this is the science of individuation of like every single person is different. And so how am I going to interact with this person through their way of being and their energy and all of that. And for me, knowing my human design is just an extra tool for me to know how I maybe can best like navigate the other person. Like I'm, the way that I'm going to interact with knowing if I know their design, the way that I'm going to interact or coach somebody who's a generator is going to be different than how I interact and, and coach somebody who's a projector, even physically, like I'm going to push 
somebody who's a generator or manifesting generator, I'm physically in our sessions that include body work, I'm going to push them further physically than I will a manifestor, a projector, or a reflector, just because there's just going to be a different level of energy that is there. And with a generator, there's something about like tiring out the energy as much as you can, because that breaks down some of the armoring. It gets them to a more sensitive, gets them to a deeper place generally. So if I'm a manifesting generator, that makes sense why I love to like abuse myself with long trail runs. Yeah, absolutely. So like for most projectors, if we're really in tune with ourselves, that is like hell. We're more built for like bursts of energy because our, so one of the big differences here, let me pull up a chart. I'm just going to pull up. The one uh, thing I'll say about this, then the little bit of research I did this week on this is that um, the testimonials are fascinating. Like people, whether you believe in this guy channeled this or whatever, people have amazing testimonials on how on point the information they're getting and how it's really helping them understand who they are. So uh, it's pretty cool. So can you guys see this chart now? Yes. Okay. So just because the visual really helps, or at least it really helps me in human design. Um, So this over here, these like columns and this sort of person outline is what's known as the body graph. So what I would, and this is bare. So, so this center right here in the middle, this is what's known as the sacral center. So that is actually what makes somebody a generator or a manifesting generator. If that is colored in. So I, as a projector, don't have that colored in. Manifestors don't have that colored in. Reflectors, reflectors actually don't have anything colored in. So their chart is totally white, except for some gates. Um, So that's what makes them really interesting. But so this center, I refer to it as like the energizer bunny. It's this like energy that's just consistent and it's going and it's always there and it's always available and it can go, 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 go. Um, And it's also like the spark of life. So it's like this creative, juicy, fun, sparkly energy. When generators are lit up, like when generators, manifesting generators are doing what they love and what they want to do and in alignment and all of that, it's like the energy is so um, euphoric and it, and it's literally like the life force of the world. Like the more lit up generators and manifesting generators are, the better the whole planet is. I can resonate deeply with that because I get, I like, I'm a very project oriented creative person. And I'm, I I used to think I was almost manic because when I do get really impassioned by a project or by a concept and I start to see it unfolding, I get this like crazy energy where I can't sleep. I just got to go, go, go. And then when I'm not experiencing that, I can actually get pretty down. And that's usually when I go on runs. There's a restlessness to MGs. Yeah especially MGs. So MGs are generally like lots of different things. They want to be doing all these things. As soon as something is no longer interesting, don't do it. Doesn't matter if you didn't finish the course completely, or you didn't finish the book fully, like onto the next thing. That's what is lighting you up right then go with what is the like, and it's like a body. Yes. Like what pulls you and like literally physically you feel like a, like a, like a, 
like I always joke with generators when they're excited, there's usually like a physical thing they do. Like they'll literally put their hands up in the air. They'll literally like jump a little bit because they're so excited. And there's this generator energy, the sacral energy that just moves through the body. And then we can kind of like determine also a little bit of like planetarily generators aren't doing generally doing this for themselves. They haven't been taught or they haven't been, you know, coaxed through their parenting or whatever to do what lights them up and to keep going with that joy. And so we have all these generators who are doing stuff that they don't want to be doing that isn't fun for them, that doesn't light them up. And so the energy is just like, like dull. Like you can tell the difference between like a lit up generator and a not. Um, But so when I was talking about like working with people, especially somatically and stuff. So when somebody has this lit up, I'm looking for those cues in their body of like when they're talking about something, is it exciting them? Or do they like slump back a little bit? Do they get a little more dull? Um, and physically, again, I'm going to I'm going to push them farther. So in the exercises that we do, I'm going to I'm going to have them go through until they're exhausted. So like till they cannot do another hip flexor stretch, until they cannot do another one of whatever it is. Whereas projectors, manifestors, reflectors, not having this. Uh, so these four centers are actually known as energy centers. So I actually do have, we, um, Bear, you and I actually have the same channel here. We have the same 4037 channel. So, and these two are energy centers. So I do have some, I'm known as an energy projector, meaning that I do have energy, but it's inconsistent. So the sacral energy is the only energy that's like very consistent, um, always going. All the other, so the root is also an energy center. These three are more like they're bursts of energy. So Mike, even when you were talking about like something lights you up and then you kind of get like a little obsessed with like doing it and like really into it. So I have this joke with Yerasimos because I have the same center lit up. This is known as the heart, the ego center. It's a will center. So if I get into something and my will gets involved, get out of my way. Even though I'm a projector and I don't have the sacral, like I'm going to do it and I will figure out how to make it happen. Like uh, one of my favorite examples of this is uh, when we first moved into the house, there were some mice and um, some rodents inside the house. And this one night there was a mouse in my room and I saw it go into my closet (laughs) And I just decided I needed to figure out how to get this mouse out of my closet in order for me to go to sleep. And I think it had actually woken me up. Rosie was with me and she'd woken me up barking about this mouse. So it was like 3 a.m. I am taking every single thing out of my closet onto my bed. (laughs) And I wake up Yerasimus, obviously, and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, there's a mouse in the closet and I have to get it out. And he was like, this is ridiculous. Like, just go to bed. The mouse will figure it out. Like we'll get it in the morning or whatever. And my, my ego, my will was just involved already at that point. It was like, we can either stand here and we can argue about it, but I'm still going to do it. 
So either go back to bed and you'll get at least some sleep. I have to do this. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be logical. The, it's sense. time for the itchy and scratchy show. Bring yeah. it on. Right. Real quickly. I want to say too, because we didn't cover this at all. And I know there's so much human design we can't cover in a, in a podcast where we're talking about semantics and human design and all this other stuff. But there's, there's the nine different centers um, and they each relate to something different. And just real quickly, when it's colored in, like you're highly defined bar, bear. So you have eight out of nine centers colored in, which I would say is more rare. And so wherever you're colored in, you have consistent, reliable access to, to whatever that center relates to. And wherever you're white, that's where you can be conditioned or influenced. So I just want to- a Jedi master. So this makes sense. And also it is interesting, like how this relates to when you're born again, you know, kind of like uh, classical yeah. horoscope stuff. But is that, I, not to get off track, but like, is that just has to do with like when, it's so weird. Well, Why does it have to this, do with when we're born? This is where I think the idea of neutrinos comes in um, from a human design standpoint. Neutrinos, and again, if anyone correct me if I'm wrong, are like our subatomic particles that are traveling near like the speed of light. There's trillions of them going through us, and they, but they hold mass. So they, they're able to carry information. So whatever they pass through, they carry information. They pass it on to the thing that they that they they pass through. And so there's 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 this process that when you're born, there's a neutrino stream that imprints you at the moment of your birth that um relates to again like yeah. what planets it's gone yeah. through and all that stuff so i don't know Barry, yeah, absolutely. Talk more about that. Um, yeah and mike if you recall um the the presentation we did for anarch poco and i was talking about time of birth and of course we were talking about the 12 resident constellations how they're influenced first by the seven rays i used to do seven ray astrology um but anyway i still do actually but uh, then, you know, we are capacitors, you know, that are allowed to receive those residents. So at the precise time of birth, they're exactly what you're saying, Erasmo, is that we have a, uh, you know, uh, a whole different influence acting upon us. So this is actually real science. It's astrophysics. It's not shallow horoscope kind of stuff. And it's also, you know, important for people to know it's not deterministic either. This is going to be influencing and, uh, you know, really shape your inclinations. But of course, we are endowed with uh, free will. Yep. So never think of anything in a deterministic sense, because we have the ability to overcome or, you know, rewrite the script any way we want. But that is kind of the deck of cards that, you know, are influencing you at the time of birth. So whether you call it neutrinos or resonance or anything, you know, it's all the same deal. Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, I like to, uh, one of my, one of the people I've learned a lot of human design from, refers to it as a mutative system. So at any point we're interacting with these designs and we can shift things, we can mutate things, we can, it's like, it's a living system within our beings. And so we have access to everything and, and we're really just like scratching the surface in terms of like what we're even going over with this. But you can go down, down, down into like deep rabbit holes around this of yourself, but at all the times you're checking in with yourself on how does this resonate with me? Do I like this? Do I not like this? How does it make me feel? Why does it make me feel that way? And same with the, what we were talking about somatically, I still think that the, the, the key, especially with everything going on in the world and everything, and, and even human design talks about that we're in this massive transition right now into 2027 where there's this whole thing that shifts or whatever. 
Um, so there's all these different, you know, schools of wow. thought and angles that on plays into why what of... is happening in the world is happening. Yeah, that's interesting. That plays in a lot of synchronistic uh, stuff on other things we've been talking about too, and not, not only the number 27, yeah. but what the other forces are trying to get created before that year, of course. Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't know it goes that deep into that kind of yeah. stuff. That's very cool. But is he, like for me, everything and everything I always want to study and everything I'm always intrigued by is like, how do we get more and more and more and more and more in tune with ourselves? How do you be, become more self-aware? How do we become more self-conscious? Because the more that we do that, the, the less uh, programmable, the less um, brainwashed. <laughs> yeah. Brainwashed. We are like the less manipulative. Ma- I'm not saying this correctly, manipulatable, manipulatable, the less you can be manipulated, the more and more that you're just like, this is me or this is how it is. And open to change, of course, always open-minded. And and even as I was started with, with the human design, that it's mutative, like always interacting with this, but always the, the way that we can be the most curious about ourselves, that lessens the power that others have over us, I think, or I believe so. So I notice uh, Mike has an air bubble up in the brain there. What does that mean? So that oh. actually um, means open-mindedness. Um, oh, okay. So this, <laughs> this Sorry is to actually... prejudge you, Mike. Can I, can, I, can I talk a little bit about, about the, the top two? So the, the top one is the, it's the head center, okay? Uh, it's also known as, as the crown. And this is where inspiration comes from, me- mental pressure, doubt, confusion, questions. Uh, and wherever you're open, this is the where you have the ability to to be conditioned or operate from the not self, as they talk about. So something for anyone, and I have that open as well. I only have three centers colored in. So for anyone who has the the the, the head center, the top one open, uh, a question to ask yourself um, uh, to see if you're operating from the not self is: Am I trying to answer everybody else's questions? You know, the not self theme for the open head is thinking about things that do not matter, you know? So it's interesting to, to think about there. So uh, like, and then, so like a, underground alien bases and reptilians. Well, listen, we all, the three of us have, um, so bear and I, from when I remember his seeing his screen, he's a five, one, like I am, we're both, yeah. uh, the heretic investigators. Uh, you have the investigative line. I thought you were a one, three from when, from when I looked it up the other time. Are you sure that's your date of birth? Or you don't know my data. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Time of birth. I actually. So it's funny. I I gotta go find my uh birth, my live birth. I had to bring it to get a recent firearm, and I cannot find it right now. And well, I cannot remember. I'm having an old man. Well, moment. no worries. In relationship to what I'm saying, is you still had the one line. So the one line is the investigative line. It's mm. it's the first line in the the hexagram. It's it's all about building a solid foundation. There's actually an inherent. Uh, in, in insecurity there where we want to build a solid foundation so we can feel secure. So we go down a lot of these different rabbit holes. Now, my way of looking at it is go down to all the rabbit holes you want. And at the same time, how, you know, how is it moving your life forward or how is it not moving your life forward? And that's, that's something just to think about. Each individual needs to decide, decide on that for themselves. But that's just um, the element of the head in terms of like how you can be conditioned is is in that place is like really trying to answer everybody else's questions and thinking about things that don't matter and now for the open mind for the it's also known as the ajna center this is again like the mind this is where you know thinking happens you know our opinions come from insights 
conceptualizing of that of that nature. And the not self theme for the open mind is pretending to be certain, like feeling like I am certain 150%. Doesn't mean you don't have moments of you've gained knowledge and you and you talk about, but keeping keeping the open mind to know that I may be taking new information in. And the not self question that people can ask themselves to see if they're operating from that more conditioned place is: Am I trying to convince everybody that I'm certain and that I'm right? So it's uh, just, it's an energetic, it's a quality behind it just to, to uh, tune into. Does that make any sense? Can, yeah. Can anybody use this site and stuff? People are asking in the chat. Um, yeah. This like um, so this or... is genetic matrix. I do have like a, I have a subscription where you get pro stuff, but mm. you can archive. use it for free as well. Jovian archive is another website that you can go to. Yeah. Um, Say that again. Jovian archive. I think it's what you, oh. you shared oh, yeah. on the. Okay. And you can look up your free chart. And then listen, we live in the information age right here, just from this chart. And I screenshotted this and I'll send it to each one of you. You can just Google like different things well, on here. Google, but, Not Google, you know. but you know what I mean? You can search, you can use an online search engine that isn't tracking your every move, even though that's probably the brave tracking. search engine is pretty good because duck, duck goes even because. Oh yeah. Duck, duck, yeah. goes sold out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can go, you can search for these different things. Like all four of us are emotional authorities. We all have the emotional centered colored in. So going back to what I said before is we're we're existing on waves of emotion. Now, depending on the gates that you have um, that you have uh, what's the word I'm thinking of the gates that you have activated in each center, whether the which are the numbers. So that's yeah, these numbers, if one of them has a light over and a, and color coming out of it that's a gate activation. So that's what we mean by that. This is a channel where there's color that goes, it connects up to different centers. And real quickly, you both have a lot of channels. Most people I look at their charts, they don't have like six, seven channels activated. So you both have a lot of channels, which I won't get into right now, but um, it's something for y'all to, to, does that, does that mean we're ascend we're close to becoming ascended masters or totally, totally 100%. You just need to transcend the body and then you'll be good. <laughs> just just really cool people but we knew all that already mike yeah yeah no definitely cool interesting but back to what i said is depending on the gates that you have um activated that's going to determine what your wave looks like um but ultimately what i would say here for all of us when it comes to the decision making process give ourselves a little bit of time to allow ourselves to move through the wave to get to a place of emotional clarity now for the three of us um, not Sophie, we, we have the sacral center defined. So we still have that, uh-huh, uh-huh. But because we have the emotional center, which is the right triangle all the way to the right colored in, that that is the determining factor. That actually determines our inner authority. It trumps the other ones when it's colored in. So we still, even though we have the gut, the uh-huh, uh-huh, we need to tune into our emotional state to see where we're at. If we're at the height of a wave or the low of the wave and then allow ourselves to experience the entire thing and get to some place of emotional clarity, emotional stillness. And then again, we can tune in and, and see if it, if it feels right for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Um, I see bear has uh, two up at the top. So that would make sense that he's got a very defined understanding of where he intellectually and what information he wants to develop and come with, which makes sense with his looking at his career and what he's done. Yep. Um, this is fascinating. So do, are there like, counselors that are they're doing like dating apps based on this and stuff now or um 
there's there are i mean i don't know if there's any apps that have been created to like connect people but there's definitely a relational component to this and there's compatibility uh that when you can look at two different people's charts and this is what sophie and i like to do our friends come over and especially if they're couples we just print up their human design charts and we just like talk about things like even like what we're doing now to some degree but in a relationship and see oh well you have this center opened and yours is defined so you can condition and influence the other person here or um you know you have this one gate on one side activated and then they have the other gate on the other side activated so then they create a channel which is what is electromagnetic connection which is chemistry so partnerships if you look at two charts where one gate and then the opposite gate connects they activate a channel together And so, and if they have the similar gates uh, colored in, those are like shared traits or personality traits. So I find that like a a qual and now any relationship can work with, with enough work, I think, maybe not any relationship, but, but relationships can work, but some are more compatible than others. And Mm -hmm. I find that when there's, when there's like a good mix of like shared gates and a few activated channels together, it's a good mix. If that makes sense. That's actually one of my favorite parts of human design is looking at two charts together or even like family dynamics, like looking at everyone's charts and everyone's going to hold different things. Everyone's going to interact with different people in different ways. And then, you know, all of this stuff where you just get really into the nitty gritty. And even especially with this, you can look at um, like how different people are being influenced by the other people around them. So anywhere where you have a white center, like you only have the bottom one, but on Mike's, he has more of the white. So this is where you're more prone to being influenced by others because you don't have your own consistent energy always there. Um, whereas these centers that are colored in, you have more of that energy. So when someone doesn't have a center colored in, you'll be influencing them with your defined center. So- the- I just love looking at like the relational dynamics. Obviously my dissertation was on it, but it's also just like, I just love that how people interact with each other, how we're all being influenced, how we're all influencing. Um, Like we're not these solitary beings in these little bubbles that, you know, are completely devoid of others. We're always in interaction with others, with nature, with the world, with the planet, with what's happening, all of that. And so I just like to sort of, yeah. I always love that part. Real quick, since we all have the, the bottom center colored in, I, I talked about the not self theme and the not self theme question for the top two for Mike. Um, the, the bottom one is the root center. You mean and undefined? Is, sorry, undefined. We, we, uh, we all have the, the root center undefined and the root is this is where our drive comes from ambition comes from stress um our adrenaline and the, the not self theme for that center is always in a hurry to be free of that pressure to be free of it and the not self question to ask ourselves is am i in a hurry to get things done so i can be free of pressure whatever that pressure is you know and a lot of times it's coming in from the external and so um bear because that's your only open center that's that's a big thing i would i would sense that that's a big thing for you um but anyways let me know how that resonates or not i would agree cool um so yeah what's klaus schwab's uh, chart you know if, if you googled it it might some maybe it, it comes I'm up sure that's sure someone has done it yeah Angel, i don't know yeah klaus Engel schwab 
It's um, <laughs> anyways, again, this is a tool. It's information. I think it's cool. Um, I only bring that up because I wonder if the so-called wannabe elites know all this stuff and they, they like chart everybody and they use it to figure out how to, how to manipulate us. Well, I think it's one of those things. I always remember somebody saying, you know, like, and this is what I was talking about with like knowing ourselves as well as we can is that these elites or these, you know, upper people have spent decades and decades and decades and decades studying the mind of the psychology of the people of all that and how to manipulate us. So yeah. I think the better, you know, if they know us better than we know ourselves, that's not a good place to be in. So the more we can know no. ourselves, we take and, and I don't think, power. and I don't think they need human design, this foundational psychological principles that work just fine to get people to, uh, to buy what they're selling. Hmm. I just did my son, my oldest son. And wow, this is straight on dude. It's like, it very interesting. Very well, whatever, interesting. dude. If you yeah, ever come is. down and visit, yeah. you got to come hang out. We we'll talk all about this. Yeah, this is too much fun. And also, we got to get you guys up here. I want to. I, want, I definitely. We talked about it with Mike taking a road trip up there, man, for sure. Well, so and, uh, maybe time at uh, the next time my son's up here too. That'd be fun. Oh, that'd be really, really cool. Yeah, I want to come check and out what y'all are doing. Got, uh, it, do you know uh, Emily and uh, Alec up the street? They just got a place up here in Big Flat Off Grid. No. So they're friends of Bryden's too. So you, you've got you, a whole little tribe happening up here. You might have met him at Music and Sky. Alec was one of the artists in the uh, art gallery. And, oh, cool. Uh, he and his beautiful wife and their their child, and she's expecting they got this sick, this really awesome, cool off-grid spot up by the farm. And uh, amazing, amazing peeps. So, Yeah. Maybe by face, yeah. But I definitely yeah, you, wanted to come see what y'all are doing. We're, we're so he's friends with Matt. Do... He's friends with Matt and stuff too. But that being said, a couple of things here. You guys, so you guys are holding it down at the Music and Sky event, uh, Memorial Day weekend. I unfortunately can't be there because it's my youngest son's birthday, and this is more of an adult retreat. And thanks so much for hosting and stepping into that role because you're really good at it, for one. And I feel really. I, 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 I'm very happy that it's you guys. Um, but for those who are wondering what we're talking about, you can go to musicandsky.com and see the event information there. And uh, I assume you'll be doing, will you be doing some body work there as well? Or um, more, more just kind of holding down the host and yeah, hostess. Yeah, with hostess. yeah I'm, 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 I'll be I'm seeing it and having dialogues. And Sophie and I are going to cool. be doing a, a talk on uh, on human design there as well. And I think Sophie might also be doing a little side chat on like touch the body and trauma. Um, I don't know if we're going to be doing any body work, but okay. really looking forward to this event and also cannot wait for the main one um, yeah. whenever that's going to be. Yeah, so you guys spoke, you guys came out to the festival last year, which is a larger full camp out, family friendly camp out. And uh, you guys were, you guys are like fully booked doing body work the whole weekend. And we kind of had you over by that, by like the dance music area. So you were getting into that sacral lower chakra a lot. Um, we are, by the way, better designing that section for those that were there. We're going to have a way better, um, curation during the day. It's not going to be like, boom, boom, boom. Um, but, uh, did you guys catch my set at all, by the way, too? Sunday? I did. I yeah, did, man. Yeah, we were grooving. I was digging it. 
Awesome. Awesome. So anyways, uh, so yeah, that'll be in the fall equinox. And of course we'll have you guys there fully integrated. Hopefully we were talking about Joel coming out for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so anyone, anyways, if anyone's new to music, this guy, go check it out and go to the uh, Odyssey page and see your guys' stage talk on there, which uh, does not have enough views guys, go check it out. You guys did a really cool workshop and, uh, I really appreciated that. And then, um, let's see what else is going on. Anything else going on in your world? And please give us, uh, your links and I'll put them in the show notes below where how people can find you and, uh, contact you guys. Yeah, well, well, a few things um, I just want to touch upon qu quickly. One reason why I want to come up visit is because I want to see what you got going on up there. Sophie and I, we're doing our our version of of homesteading that we're starting. You know, we got some chicks. We have bees on the property. We're, we, we teamed up with the Food Forest Abundance crew, and we're going to start doing some nice. stuff uh, set up here in our place. So uh, excited about that. So Sophie's been incredible, like taking chicken courses, classes and researching and preparing for for their, their arrival so i could get chicks apparently <laughs> yeah it's also, <laughs> all i want to do now hey. you know you uh, gotta talk to kelly brogan she's she did the same thing a couple years ago and loves her chickens like oh they're God, all her best friends and, and we she, met them we, we met the chicks uh, we were in miami over over near just Z. when they got the them chicks. too right oh, when they got no them. way yeah, 2020 cool. 2021 i think yeah um well and speaking okay. of kelly real quick she's starting a dating app for like awake folks Kelly, if you're watching this or listening, uh, you need to uh, integrate human design and that'd be really cutting edge. So, awesome. but yeah, chicks, bees, same thing here. We got chicks and bees uh, and uh, come on up. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to stay at the uh, guest house on the river here or in Ooh. our guest house. And uh, I'm actually DJing a, a little event up here for 4th of July. May that could be a good time. Uh, I'm hoping Bryden and the fam can come up. So uh, also doing an event, uh, we could talk offline in Trinity County uh, next month for Kelly Brogan's community, uh, an ecstatic dance DJ set and a talk. Cool. So okay. uh, lots of fun stuff going on. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. And Bear, when you go down south to visit them, we got to go check out these guys spot in Topanga because I heard it is really sweet. And I really want to come to one of your events. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I left Topanga. Had a lot of fun there in the old days. Please do. You have a place to stay if you come visit. Um, for sure. Love to have you. And I just want to mention, I just want to mention a couple of things too. Like obviously you mentioned it in the email, but I have my podcast here for the truth. Bear, we'd love to get you on at some point if you're willing to come on and talk about your sure. personal yeah, heroes journey and all the cool stuff you're into. I'd be honored. Um, and then Joel and I, the co-host, we're running a currently our, our our group coaching program called Rise Above the Herd. And we're just, we're just you know, we want to connect with fellow truth seekers who are ready to just, again, like live their life. Like all this shit's going on in the world. Great. What are you doing? What are you creating? What are you building? How can you take things to the next level? And um, yeah, that's what's up with me. So if you want to share any last minute things, but I'm so grateful to be, be on here with both of you. This is so cool. Yeah. I'm just grateful to be here. I love talking about this stuff and going into it and thanks so much for having us. Well, Thank you for being here. It was uh, way too much fun. Uh, I'd like to do just an episode someday just on the, the last stuff we're getting into. Cool. I'm going to be online later today and be checking it out a lot more. As a, as a one-line investigative type would do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I would Thank love you. to like uh, see how it interplays with the Enneagram, Bear. 
and the work you've done with that, plus uh, the seven rays astrology. I mean, it all interplays, right? So we can really have fun yep. with all these systems. I've, they're fine. There's there's crossover, and sometimes each one has its own unique thing where you go, oh, that's interesting. But there's, you know, mm-hmm. truth is yeah. truth is yeah. truth is truth. Yeah. <laughs> and there's more than one truth. Yeah. Yes. There's facts. That's a whole, and up, that's a whole other conversation to get into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get into it right now. What the heck? We have another couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if you appreciated this talk, please give us a thumbs up, a like, share this. It really helps us get the um, get this information to new folks. Uh, and if you uh, please go support our uh, guests today, go follow them. Uh, like uh, you're awesome of saying he's got an amazing podcast. I was on there. We'll get Bear on there. And uh, like Tom Barnett, you guys have interviewed and some of our other friends. So very cool. And uh, if you're in the LA area and you're looking to have some work done, they're both practicing practitioners. So holler at them. Links will be in the show notes. Thanks so much, guys. Remember, as always, get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go get, uh, go start your own chicken coop. That's a great way to (laughs) get involved with nature. And it's actually not even that hard. It really isn't. Having chickens is not that hard once you get in the flow and uh, it's quite rewarding and uh, no need to go out and get like 12 chicken. I don't know. How many chickens do you guys have? Just curious. We got 12. (laughs) 12. You said that. (laughs) That's funny. Everybody goes out and gets 12. You're going to have eggs coming out of your ears but that's okay yeah. it's a great we want to way give them to everybody the community needs eggs exactly exactly it's an amazing way to gift to people uh and this like we i have my kids i send them off with egg egg crates everywhere to all our neighbors so uh fantastic but get your hands in the dirt go grow something and we will see you next week uh with tara who's coming on from the event uh we're gonna talk about her amazing recent um foray into the scroggins 4040 challenge she did plus she's um she's an ambassador for manifestation and uh just an amazing soul so looking forward to having her on next week uh and thank you guys enjoy the rest of your week have a beautiful weekend we'll see you next time cheers thank you